afternoon, brothers and sisters, and welcome again. And we've done it. We are coming to the last study in this wonderful letter, the joy letter that Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. And we're going to learn much today. You remember all of the things we've learned over the last few weeks and months. I've learned a lot, and I believe you've learned a lot as well. I'm going to take a little bit longer today because I want to finish this chapter and finish this book. But I want to talk to you today about contentment in the Lord. Contentment in the Lord. Because that is what Paul addresses at the very last part of this letter. It's not last because it's not important. I believe it is so important that maybe it's said last so that it's got a, a lasting effect on what they think and say. Now I want to lay the foundation here in verse 11. If you open up your Bibles in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to do from verse 10 down to verse 23. But let's lay the foundation in verse 11. He says, Not that I speak with regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I'm, I'm happy, I'm content. And that's where we find our theme and our topic from. Now, when he says there that I've learned, it means that he's learned by experience. You see, the circumstances that he found himself in, in his past, that, that actually prepared him for where he's sitting right now today. And you and I can learn from that. Paul is sitting in prison right now. He's got nothing. He's waiting for a court case to come. He may live or may die. He doesn't know. It's the uncertainty. He hasn't got a lot around him. Because if you sit in prison those days, there were no prison food. People had to come from the outside and, and look after and care for you. So he says that I've learned out of the experiences before I came to prison that at this point in time now, I'm content with my circumstances. He submitted to his circumstances and he's content. Now he uses that word they content and the word content there means he came to a place to be self-contained or self-sufficient. He learned to come to that place where, he, where he's not over uh, trying to get more than he needs for the, the specific circumstance. And this is exactly the same that he's writing to Timothy. In Timothy chapter uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he takes this young pastor, this young man under his wings, and he trained him up to be a godly man. And he writes the following very wise words to him. 1 Timothy 6, 6, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Wow. Think about that. Godliness with contentment. They go together. And once they go together, it is great gain. Now look at verse 7. For he says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We can't carry anything out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Wow, think about this. Two things there. He's content with food upon my table and clothes upon my body. You and I today have food and we have clothing. And he says that is in whatever circumstance you are going to be in, is the things that you can be content with. You know, it is the storehouses, 
that we build for ourselves and we store things into these storehouses, that brings us a lot of calamity. It brings a lot of worry and angst and, and a lot of things because you want more and you thrive to look after and all of these things. We may not have tomorrow, but we have today food upon your table and we've got clothes on our back. And he says that to this young man. He says that to him. So what does it mean? What does all of this contentment mean? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. And let's glance down to verse 19. We're going to get to verse 19 in, in, in a minute or two, but I'm just laying the foundation here. He says there in verse 19, he says, And God shall supply all your need according to His riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. You need to underline that verse. And in fact, when all of these troubles come to your mind and what has come to your mind, that verse should be on your mind first to say, you know what? I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fret because God will supply. God shall supply. He says there, all your needs, not wants, but needs. And God will do this. This is so fantastic. So what made Paul come to this point that he's content? What, what, what is this? Where does this come from when he says, I've learned these things? What have you learned, Paul? Now, there's three things I want to give you that he's learned. First of all, he's learned the providence of the Lord. Look at verse 10. The providence of the Lord, the provisions of God. In verse 10, he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished Again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. What does this talk about here? He says, first of all, but I rejoice in the Lord. Although these people sent to him money and food, it was the Lord who used those people to provide for him. Can you see that? That is the providence of God. It is, it is God seeing to everything. That is what it is. Absolutely everything that needs to be done and bring about His purpose in your life, God will see that. You and I know that we, we were born with a purpose from God. God has got a purpose for your life. Have you found that purpose yet? First of all, you must be born again. And after you are born again, God wants to use your talents. He wants to use the gifts that He's given you. He's given you love. He's given you grace. He's given you knowledge. And, and He wants to use, and faith. He's given you faith. And He wants to use all of those things to accomplish the purpose that He has created you for. And, and for that purpose that's sitting right there, from you to come from one point to that purpose, in between all of those things, all of those things, God will provide. He will see to it. All you need to do is come into God's will and He will direct you not only to the purpose, but He will see to it. Oh, there's a wonderful verse here in Isaiah that I want to open up for you. Isaiah 46 verse 10, which is just going to explain it. He says, I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet come. This is what God says. He says, I declare all of these things. It's a declaration from God. 
saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. So in other words, what is God saying? He says, I will see to it. All of his purposes in the whole world, God will see to it. Read the prophecies. The prophecies gives us just a small sight into what God is going to do. And he is going to see to it. Now in your perspective, I want to bring it to your life. In your life, he will see to it. He will provide to it. He will see that everything works together for that goal. That's God's work. It's not your and my work. He will provide for that. Now, I'm by far not saying saying you should go and sit like a sloth at home and do nothing and say, well, God will provide. No, no. I'm going to show you a verse which will show you that that's not what he means. You see, you were created for a purpose and God will see that you will get there. But there's a second thing that I want to touch in that first thing that made Paul contend what he learned uh, about God's provision. And that is that God uses people to bring his provision to you or to take provision to where he needs it. God uses people. Look at the verse again. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me. God has developed within them a care for Paul. The Holy Spirit developed within them a care for Paul. And now they are providing to Paul. It's not as if there's just money that's going to start falling like snow from heaven. Although God can do that. No, no. But He uses people. He uses people to bring the providence to where He needs it. Somebody comes around and say, you know, and there's so many testimonies. They knock on your door and say, you know, I just laid upon my heart the Lord that I need to make food for you. This actually happened in your lives. That's the providence of God. People have to bring the food into my house. How wonderful is God, friend? His providence is way beyond what you can think and 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 thought of. All we need to do is we need to walk in his direction. I want to read this to you from from Psalm 32 verse 8. Because I I came across this and I I just want to read this to you. All we need to do is to listen to this verse. Listen to it. 32 verse I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. This is what God will do for us. So as he guides us along his way, what does he do? He supplied the provisions along the way. How? Through people. Through people. James chapter 2 verse 15. If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what is good in that? God, open up your eyes to see these people need. You've got the ability to supply to their need, but you don't. What is good in that? You see, God is preparing His people to be the provisions that He will provide to the ones that need. That's God's provision. The providence of God. This is why now Paul can say, I've learned, I've learned to be content. Why? Because God is the provision. He's the provider. And let me just say, if somebody comes to you and they do want to provide you because they did see the need, allow them to bless you because it's a blessing to them. So that's the first that made him content. Secondly, we see the the power, the secret power of God. 
explain. Well, thank you. I'm going to explain. Look at verse 11 and, and this goes down to verse 13. Now, now he says in verse 11, Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now you've heard this verse quoted so many times by people, but man do people quote this verse out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then they go on and do crazy things. No, no. He's putting it into physical, look at this, physical provisions. And now let's unpack these words here because it's so powerful. He says there, I've learned both. Have you noticed in verse 12 when he says, everywhere and in all things, I've learned both. I've learned both. This is the New King James Version. And, you know, I don't believe that's the most accurate translation of the scriptures no no if you go to the king james version he says that i am instructed he uses the word instructed there and if you want to go a little bit further and understand what it means in context when paul writes these things down he says i've learned the secret this is what it is I've learned the secret how to have much and how to have nothing. The nothingness brings you to humility. When you have a lot, it brings you to the point that you can bless. But he says it in that verse 12 there. He says, everywhere and in all things, I've learned the secret to be full and to be hungry. I've learned that secret. There is a secret there that brings me then to contentment. There's a secret there that brings me to be God-contained, God-confident. And what is that secret? It is the power of God. Because that's where this verse now comes in. It, it's tied to contentment here. Look at verse 13 now again with that in your back of your mind. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. What is the secret for you to be content in your life? What is that secret? It comes down to the power of God. Now, let me unpack that verse for you. Because a lot of people sit back and say, well, it's God who's going to take care of me. Like I said before, I don't have to do anything. I just sit back like a sloth. And now all of a sudden, you know, you said it there, preacher. You said it that God is going to look after me. Yes, he is. But look at this verse now more intently. Because he says, first of all, I can do. Have you noticed? I can do. Now, when he starts off with, I can do, he says, you start the action. That's where it starts. Not just sitting back on your couch. You start the action. The Holy Spirit may lay a project in your heart to bless people, um, you want, to, you want to help other people, you, you're innocent, but you have to start the action. And see how beautiful it is now. When you start the action, Christ will strengthen you. So He will leave you in your action. You start your action. You start walking. You start doing. And now it goes on in all things that you're going to do. 
when you need, listen now, when you need that supply, when you, when you run out of your own, when you run out of your own power, now he comes along and he strengthens you. But you've got to do. There is an action and then there is a reaction from God. This is, this is, by the way, got nothing to do with salvation. This is about provision here. This is why he's sitting in prison and these people are bringing him now food and clothing and money. And what does he do? He thinks that that is, has been revived again. You know, the giving has been revived again. And God uses people. And, and he understands the providence of God. But he also understands the power of God. That God, listen to this now. God will strengthen those people because they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. To bring that to him. And, and you will see how it becomes clearer when, we, when you understand where it's coming from. <clears throat> So he understands contentment because of the providence of God and secondly because of the power, the secret power, which is the strength of Christ helping and assisting. This is the Holy Spirit, by the way, the Paracletos. He's coming alongside and, and Kletos means to be called alongside to strengthen. Now, what is the last thing then? It is the promise of God's provision. Let's read on from verse 14. He says, and nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. You see, he uses people. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Make a mental note. In Macedonia, the church in Philippi was the only church who supplied to him. Okay? Let's keep that in mind. <clears throat> Um, you shared with me only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all in abound, and I'm full having received from Ephroditus. He came from Philippi. The thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. This is now a, the promise that comes from God. Now listen to this now. He says there in verse 17, But I seek the fruit that comes from your giving. Every giving that you give will receive a fruit. There's fruit coming from it. And Paul he wants to see that fruit. And, and here comes Titus now. He writes to Titus the following in Titus chapter 3 verse 14. He says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. The good works that you do after the cross and, and supplying to urgent needs, which means food, which means clothing, which means sometimes giving somebody money if the Lord lays it upon your heart. That brings fruit. He says there to Titus, if you don't do that, you're going to be unfruitful. A Christian life, a godly life is a godly life, not looking out after your self-interest, but others as well. This is what Paul graces here. He's so blessed that these people brought him things in, in prison. And now he comes back and he talks to them about contentment and how this adds to faith. 
He says to them, and my God shall supply all your need according to your riches and, and the glory in Christ. Why would you think he said that to this church in this letter? Because a lot of people would think, wow, you know what? This is a rich church. Philippi is a very rich church. And they must have given to Paul in the overflow. You see, it's so easy for people to give in the overflow. They'll work out, look after themselves first, and everything that overflows. Okay, yep, that's the money now we can, you know, for, for instance, send to the missionaries or, or give away because we've, we, we are, and I'm fed, I'm well, I'm okay. And now in the overflow I will give. People might think this is what happened to the church there in Philippi. That's why they could provide to him. But not so. You might be shocked to understand not so. Because remember, Paul writes this in context back to them in verse 19. And my God shall supply to all your needs. Wait a minute, they've, they've looked after Paul's needs. Now, do they have needs? Of course they do have needs. You need to understand the Bible. Open up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we will see the state of this church who gave to Paul. The only, this is why I said, made them make a mental note there in verse 15, when he says, when I departed, you were the only church in Macedonia who looked after me in this, in this regard. Now we will see the state of this church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2. Listen to Paul. He says, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of the joy and the deep poverty abounded. In the riches of their liberty. In fact, you should read verse 1 because he talks about Macedonia in verse 1. And in Macedonia, the only church who looked after Paul was this church in, Philippi, in, 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 Philippia, in Philippi. And now he says that in the great trial of affliction, they were under affliction. And the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty, they were poor abounded in the riches of their liberty. They, they were so poor, but that made them rich to give. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Wow! I said the shame here. I'm, I'm honest to you now. I'm sitting in shame here. If I think of this church who was so poor and afflicted, they didn't have the ability, but yet they made together and they sent for Paul. That's not in the overflow. That is profound. So what is Paul learning to be content? He's looking at these circumstances. And he knows the provision of God. Do you know the provision of God? My friend, if you're a child of God, God will look after you according to his riches. The secret of the power. Wherein lies the secret of the power? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then this wonderful verse down here. These people look at others before they look at themselves. And he says, And my God shall supply all your need according to the riches and the glory in Christ Jesus. Now let's learn this from Paul. These three things. He said, I accept all things. Look at verse 11 again. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned whatever state I am to be content. Paul said, you know, I, I accept everything as from God. Nothing will happen to you as a child of God without God's protection. 
uh, uh, without his permission. Not only that, he says, I can do all things. Then in verse 11. And then he says, I have all things. That makes me content. Again, I accept all things. I do all things and I have all things. You see, he didn't have to be pampered to make him happy. He didn't have to have nice, trickling voices and, and things talking to his mind, in his ear to be happy. He found his contentment in spiritual resources and abundantly provided by Christ. Contentment in the Lord. Are you content today? Are you content? Learn from Him. Now let me finish off. He says now, verse 20, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are in Caesar's household. The grace of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you all. Amen. I pray the Lord bless you with this study in the book of Philippians. I am praying next week we can start with the book of Galatians. Another one of uh, uh, Paul's letters to the church in Galatia. And we will uh, unpack it like we've done the book of uh, Philippians. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. And listen to this. Be content. Amen.